Nets lose another one coming out of the all-star break. A lot like they entered the all-star break. Still playing, playing wait and see when it comes to some of their key parts. A rough loss here against the Boston Celtics. We're going to be talking about it all. But first, the theme music. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Nets podcast and the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Before we get started, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Doug Norrie back here. No Adam Armbrecht for this podcast. No problem. He's probably happy to be able to sit this one out because we're coming at you after the Boston Celtics basically dismantled the Brooklyn Nets 129 to 106 i would say this game was pretty much over from the start and we're in this weird place now with the nets about how to talk about them i think we've been here a little bit over the last couple weeks not a lot of it probably for the last couple weeks that it just gets really hard to know how to talk about the Brooklyn Nets Like, what are we supposed to talk about when it comes to this team? This team that we saw tonight on the court is not the team that, you know, basically everyone signed up for, from management to players to fans to everybody. Like, this is not the Brooklyn Nets team that we know is the final iteration. It's, like, so far away from that that it becomes very difficult to talk about them in a meaningful, instructive way And so we get to the end of these games, this massive, terrible blowout loss to the Boston Celtics, and we're sort of left with this idea of what is it that we can take away from this game. My contention would be not much. Now, when you're a Nets fan, that's really hard to hear. It's like, well, okay, we should be able to take something away from every game, whether it's the coaching, whether it's the role players, whether it's, you know, who stepped up and, you know, who's the next man up in this situation. And, you know, did the Nets get everything they could out of the personnel that they had available to them? Okay, I can kind of hear that to some degree. I can I can hear that because there should always be something to take away from a performance. You should always be able to hang your hat on something. You should always be able to look in you know, look yourself in the mirror when it was all said and done as a team and say, "Hey, did we leave everything out there on the court?" And maybe you walk away from this one and say that really wasn't the case. They didn't, you know, leave everything out on their court. They kind of not rolled over early, but just got rolled on really early by a very good Celtics team whose trajectory is totally different than the Nets right now. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But we're in a situation now with the Nets where it's like, okay, we know that the championship-level caliber team that this team has, you know, under contract right now, is just not there. And while the Nets need to win every game possible from basically here on out to avoid sort of disaster consequences if it were to come to the playing game and, you know, putting their season on the line over – basically a one-and-done situation or maybe a two-and-done situation. We look at this team and say, well, what is it that we can take away from this game against the Celtics? Because they got totally rolled. Like, the the Celtics came out 
definitely wanting to put their stamp on this one early. Tons of easy looks for this team. They're full health. We know where their direction is heading in terms of the standings. This is a Celtics team, which we talked about this little in the pregame piece or the you know uh, the prep piece for getting ready. Remember, this is a Celtics team that has the best point differential in the Eastern Conference, 5.4. Yeah, they sit sixth in the Eastern Conference in terms of overall uh in terms of overall, like where they sit in terms of standings, but at 35 and 26, but they're f- plus 5.7 in point differential. That's the best in the Eastern Conference by like a, m- more than a point, right? This is a third, eh, f- oh, excuse me, fourth, fourth best number in the entire NBA, which you're like, that wouldn't necessarily think of the Celtics in that way, but that's just kind of who they've been. And then you look at the defensive efficiency numbers. Right now, they're behind Golden State, but that's probably not going to be for long. Like, I, there's probably a world where the Celtics are able to leapfrog Golden State in terms of the defensive efficiency numbers. It's a really, really good team. Totally healthy. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Al Horford, Robert Williams is going to make a sneaky case probably for Defensive Player of the Year. I don't think he gets there, but his name will probably be discussed before it's all said and done. And they get Marcus Smart back as well, who's kind of been like a net in Barclays center killer <laughs> over the short term too. And they get Derek White off the bench. Like this is their this for the Celtics. This is the full version of their team as they in, as they kind of want to roll into the postseason with a really really thin roster in terms of the back of the bench, but a very strong core five or six or, six, six or seven players. Like this team is a this team. This is what they want to look like in the playoffs. So the Nets are facing these guys who are basically a fully realized version of themselves. And then on the net side, you get, you know, obviously, and this is, again, we're like wash, rinse, repeat with his injury reports, but no Kevin Durant, no Kyrie Irving because it's at home, no Goran Dragic as he ramps up, no Ben Simmons as he ramps up. So where does that leave us in talking about the Nets? Yeah, we can w- look into this one and be pissed off, get killed, you know, get killed at home, basically lose. I mean, they didn't lose by 30, but they might as well have stormed back a little bit near there there at the end uh, to kind of, they didn't make it respectable, but they didn't lose by 30 because the sec or the, the bench kind of came in and, you know, played with some energy, but it's like, what do you take? What do you, what do you take away from this game? You want to, should we talk about some of the actions they ran on offense? Why? Uh, like you want to talk about like where some of these guys, like, you know, people didn't do what they should have done um, because they're all professional basketball players. Okay. I can hear that uh, to some degree, but it's just like this weird waiting game. I feel like this whole season has been a waiting game for the Nets. It's like, Oh, if we can just have this happen, if this can just, it's all these ellipses uh, like at the end of these sentences where we were just wondering about like, when is it, when is think when are things going to turn? I think there's, we'll talk about it in a little bit, but I think there's signs that things are going to turn. But man, this is February 24th. Well, I'm recording this on the 24th. February 24th, February 25th. And we're still talking about when things are going to turn for the Nets. Like, when are their fortunes going to turn? When are things just going to get right? We're like, we're going on two seasons of this, by the way. And this game's just another example. It's like, should I? Should we sit and talk about like Seth Curry's role in the offense? Well, not this version because this is not why the Nets got him. The Nets didn't get him, didn't get Seth Curry to initiate tons of offensive actions. They didn't get Patty Mills to basically like you know be a floor general for their team. This is not. These are not the versions of these players that they're that they want them to ultimately be. And yet we just have another game against the Celtics in this one where they're asked to do those things, and the results are kind of predictable. 
the Nets they came in as like seven, oh, nine point, seven and a half point, somewhere between seven and a half and nine point underdogs when it came into it. That feels about, at home, by the way. That feels about right considering who you're going against. You're going against a team who five. I mean, this is a total joke of a number, but it kind of at least speaks to where they are in terms of. Uh, like just like terms of like where they are in this moment, five thirty eight right now has the Celtics as the best chance to win the finals. I would say that's probably incorrect, but it, it it's more the Suns twenty three percent chance to win the finals. Suns at nineteen percent, Bucks at twelve. I, I think that number is kind of a joke, but it, mostly what it points to is this idea of like this Celtics team at least like a projection model can get a handle on what the Celtics are. Right, these projection models cannot get a handle, nor can any of us get a handle on what the Nets are. We don't know. We just don't know. It's another game. It's another day of just not knowing what it is to take away from these Nets games and what to take away from them as a team. And so, if I sound frustrated, it's just because, as someone that wants to talk about this team in their best version, we just—it's just another day of not being able to do it, and another day of sort of wondering when it's going to happen. So we'll get into a little bit more about why that might turn around. Talk a little bit about this game. A couple, of, you know, minor takeaways from this loss. First, got to talk to you about our friends over at True Bill. Look, if you've gotten into the subscription stuff, um, which all of us have at this point, you have something on your record. Where I know mine was satellite radio. God, I wish True Bill was around when satellite radio just took me for. Just soaked me for like a year without me knowing it. Not with True Bill. These companies, they want to sign you up for free trials. They want to start renewing you without your consent. It's a scam that's out to get you. Don't let those companies pocket your money. Download True Bill to take care of your subscriptions today. True Bill is a new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't want, need, or simply forgot about on average. People save up to $720 a year. With Truebill, because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Link your accounts, and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in just one tap. Truebill has over 2 million users, and they've helped them save, wait for it, over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands a year. And when you're done with that, make sure you visit our friends over at Rock Auto. Told you about them at the top of the show. If you're a do-it-yourselfer, you know that getting uh, auto parts at this point can be a little bit like, you know, you just don't know what you're going to get. You walk into the local place, they disappear into the cavern, they come back with an unmarked box, you don't know what the price is, you don't even know if it's the right part for your car or truck. Not at Rock Auto, 30%, 50% savings you're going to get on those same parts over the car chain store. Don't even tell me about the car dealership. You know, talk about getting soaked, my guy, with the car dealership. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, new carpets. You go to rockauto.com right now. You see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, so, I mean, takeaways from this game, 
in for such as they are. Uh, the Nets did start a uh, sort of predictable starting lineup. We uh, mentioned before Patty Mills. Okay, knew that was coming. Seth Curry knew that was coming. James Johnson is able to work his way back. He had been a scratch before the All-Star break. He was healthy for this one, so he gets to start. And then we get Bruce Brown and Andre Drummond. When you look at the starting lineup, you just have to think to yourself, how are they going to score? Uh, this has been like, – this is not new. Like, they do not really have – a lot of on-ball creators, if kind of any with this group. Seth Curry is the closest you're going to get, and he's mostly like a two-level scorer kind of. He just you know, struggles to get to the rim. He played fine. Like He actually shot really well, 10 for 19 from the field, 2 for 7 from 3. You'll take it. Patty Mills struggles. Hey, all, uh, all-star break, three-point contest. Uh, I'm not going to actually think that that really matters in terms of the context for him playing, but he goes 0 for 9 in this game. 0 for 5 from 3. If that's going to happen, you basically know you have no chance. Like If you knew that Patty Mills went, didn't hit a shot in this game, you would have just said, okay, Nets lost 100%, uh, like 100 times out of 100 with this group. If this is going to be the group and Patty Mills is not going to make a shot, you just you pretty much know you're going to lose. Like I don't really know what else to tell you. It's actually a pretty simple calculus on that because – for them, for this group to be able to win in the way they're currently constructed, he needs to hit threes. Yes, he's not going to hit. He's not going to do a bunch of just on-ball creation. But the shots that are there for them, for him, excuse me, have to go down. So if he's not making them, you're totally dead in the water, pretty much anyway. Even if you get like decent shooting games from a guy like Curry. So the you know the scoring wasn't coming. They had some nice looks early around the perimeter. They fell down really early. Mostly because Boston just came out really looking very strong and like fully put together. Uh, I thought their looks early were pretty good for those two guys. They ran enough, you know, DHO actions. They're still going to try to run that with Drummond. They ran some double drag kind of stuff with Drummond and James Johnson to get looks for those guys around the perimeter. It just wasn't going down. And when those shots aren't falling early and you fall behind. You're just going to dig yourself a hole that's going to be really, really difficult to get out of. And that's just what happened with the Nets tonight. Like, I thought overall the scheme was pretty much correct. Like I, like I said, they got decent looks, especially early. But if you're going to shoot 24% from three, it's just going to be very tough to win. Like, I don't really know another way to put it. And sometimes, you know, people want to over probably overuse the idea of the make or miss league. But if you're going to go 7 for 29 from 3 and the Celtics are going to shoot 41% from 3, a lot of those were totally open. So I don't think the Nets did themselves excuse me, any favors on that end. But if you know that's going to be the case, yeah, you're going to get blitzed. I don't know what else to tell you on that. And so they're just dealing with a situation where they're starting 5 unit, which I think is, by the way, the correct starting 5. I would not make, I don't think, any changes to this group. Like, I mean, maybe you want to say you want to get Edwards in there as a floor spacer instead of like Bruce Brown or James Johnson. It's like probably more James Johnson. Like you want to get him as a floor spacer over James Johnson. Sure. I can understand sort of the idea around starting Johnson in this game, because while he's not by any means a three and D guy, there is a little bit of self-confidence piece with him that is actually good in situations like this because he's overly confident like he's very very confident in his offensive abilities they don't it doesn't always materialize into you know actual uh results <laughs> in terms of that but you can't deny that James Johnson like 
believes himself at times to be an on-ball creator, you know, shimming himself into the lane, trying to finish over guys that are maybe a little bit smaller than him but have good position on him. He'll throw a floater up, no problem. He'll try to get to the rim. It looks uh, a lot of the times pretty bad, but I'll still take the confidence because that actually is a pretty important part when you're playing undermanned, if that makes sense. Like the Nets are playing with a depleted roster, so at this point, you actually kind of need a guy that can do something with a ball in his hands. Kessler Edwards definitely cannot do that at this point in his career. So if you're going to sacrifice a little spacing with James Johnson to be able to say, hey, at the end of the shot clock, at least you'll try to do something, I think I can live with those results, even if those results are going to be sometimes like pull your hair out territory on around the shots that he takes. Because remember, the thing about the Nets is the way they're currently constructed, James Johnson is never going to have the ball, like if they're fully healthy. James Johnson is never going to have the ball late in the shot clock being asked to do something. That'll be Kevin Durant. That'll be Kyrie Irving. I mean, maybe Ben Simmons, like any, literally anybody else. Like It's just because they're, they don't have these guys that they end up needing him to do so much more. And when you're asked to do more than your core set of abilities is really, you know, you're playing above your pay grade, honestly. Like, that's probably where a lot of these nets are. It can end up looking weird and bad because... A lot of, if you look at salaries, like sometimes salaries for the most part will just tell you about a guy's skill level. Like the free, the fair market in this case has told you what they're worth. And if you're playing and you're asked, unless you're like on the rookie scale or something like that, short of a situation like that, like you just kind of know what the ability level on these guys are because based on what the market told you. And all of a sudden, if you're asked to do tons of stuff in the offense or on defense that's above your pay grade, it's going to start looking bad. That would be like any of us in our jobs or you know in our way of life. If we're just asked to do stuff that we're not totally equipped to do and the market doesn't really want to pay us to do either, it can start looking weird and bad. So this is a long way to say, I get why it doesn't end up looking that great. Everyone's trying to play up a level or up two levels. So they start James Johnson and, you know, the results are kind of whatever. It looks okay early. He's, you know, he's getting to the rim a little bit. He jacks up a couple threes that don't really have much of a prayer going in. Um, it kind of progressively gets worse over the course of the game, as you can pretty much predict it's going to. And that's the way, and that's kind of how things go. Get a good game out of Bruce Brown in this one. Hit an early three that you kind of was wanted to hang your hat on. Felt like you maybe get a couple more, but they never did. He ends up drawing 15 points, uh, seven rebounds, five assists, throws in a couple steals. Nothing to really say about him. I mean, they were still minus 19 when he was on the court. You can't like bet, say it was his fault at all. Like he put in, uh, at least from a stat line perspective, a solid 35 minutes, was still very, very active on defense, which you want to see. He all of a sudden now with no Bembry and no Javon Carter becomes kind of a one-on-one guy. In terms of what the Nets are going to need, I think he's probably played himself into a situation where he'll probably get more minutes even when they get a little bit healthier. But this is just kind of where the team is right now uh, in terms of their personnel, that everyone's just being asked to do a little too much. And if it doesn't work out totally perfectly in the moment, like those open shots don't go down, um, you know, they run a couple actions and it just doesn't end up with a good shot. Like this is what you're going to be left with. You're going to be left with some weird kind of like floaters at the rim or just kind of throwing up wild shots because you're just not totally equipped to get the job done. So in terms of the starting lineup, like I said, maybe you make a change from Kessler to James Johnson. I, or excuse me, you swap those two guys. I don't think I would have, because like I said, I want a little in, in when I lack 
when I lack skill, I would probably want to make up for it in confidence. And I think we can all agree uh, on that front that James Johnson has that uh, coming out of his ears. So love him for that. I think it's going to really work out well uh, when they're fully healthy because he'll like a guy that believes that they can he can be on the court with some of those other superstars and just kind of getting dirty and you know playing really, really good defense and being real physical when they need to and not getting the ball at the end of the shot clock. Okay, we'll make ourselves feel better with maybe some updates on the New York City front. First, got to talk to you about our friends over at Built Bar. If you are still trying to keep with those New Year's resolutions, I know it's really tough. Eating healthy can be very, very difficult. If you're trying to keep protein in your life, but keep like some of those calories and the sugar and all that stuff down, it can be super tough. There's so many tempting foods out there. Fill that house up with Built Bar and know that you are getting good stuff. They covered 100% in chocolate, so you think you're getting the candy bar aspect, except they're low-calorie, high-protein. You replace those candy bars and other snacks with the Built Bar because it has the stats to back it up. Uh, you can just check it out on Built.com. You throw, scroll through those macro charts. You'll be totally blown away. Here are some of those analytics. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein. You compare that to a candy bar, 204, I can't even read these numbers, 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, dozens of net carbs, the Bill Bar flavors too, mint brownie, coconut, coconut, almond, white chocolate, cookies, and cream. That's got people raving. Go to Bilt.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Bilt.com. All right, reasons for optimism around the Nets right now. There are a few. Uh, so we'll start with the New York City vaccine mandate. Uh, it's been reported through just you know, uh, city sources, and then the league kind of picked league sources picked up on this as well. That there is prevailing the prevailing idea now that Mayor Eric Adams is is likely to roll back and you know even possibly do away with uh, the current vaccine mandate or at least the wording that it is that's making it very difficult for Kyrie Irving to play or making it not very difficult, making it impossible in his current vaccination status for him to play. So this comes out on uh, Wednesday and it kind of gets more talking about it on Thursday that it's very much looking like New York City is going to go the way that a lot of these other cities have gone, Washington, D.C., Boston, uh, to say that the vaccine mandates in those cities are just going to either disappear completely like they did in Washington, D.C., or um, be tailored to just not being so restrictive uh, around whether or not you're vaccinated and you can do stuff. Eric Adams is already on record as saying that he thought the the rule was silly. He was not the one that wrote it. Now, he has not done away with it, so um, you know, take that for what it's worth. But he was not in office when it first went into play. But I think, and there's going to be, I believe there's going to be um, like a health service uh, changing of the guards on March 1st. And if you think they're going to use that March 1st date to um, begin a new set of rules, which I think is like, I don't, I wouldn't bet my life on it. And I know I got dragged the other day by saying bet my life on something that I wasn't planning on betting my life on. So uh, it's tongue in cheek. Um, no one worry about that. But I, I wouldn't bet 100% that it's going to happen. 
um, on that day. But I think you can start believing that it's going to happen like sooner than later because we're just in a situation now where it's just the way the rest of the world and the rest of these other cities are going. Like no one is no one's putting in vaccine mandates at this point. Uh, they're only going away in most places. And I think we can think that New York City is probably going to go a similar direction, whether from an optics piece or just like a policy piece. They're going to you know wait a little bit longer than March 1st. Uh, that's I, I'm here for that. Um, just because who knows would like when to get the wheels of government and bureaucracy turn very, very slowly at times. But if we start wanting to think that those are going to go away and Kevin Durant's timeline is looking more and more like he's getting closer to playing. Those are like sort of the these are the little dribs and drabs of news we're getting about him. Uh, coming out like, you know, Sean Mark says he's you know, three to not going to come back within three to four days. Okay. That's great. But that's like not three to four weeks. Like he, they're using days, not weeks in terms of his timeline. I think we can start thinking about when we're going to get this full version of the nets uh, back. It's not going to be for Milwaukee. They're going to be at Milwaukee. That's going to be a very tough game. It's not going to be for this Toronto game. Uh, that's on Monday, February 28th. That's home against Toronto. So we know, I, I would say, almost definitely not going to have Kyrie for that game. Doubt we have Durant, too. Probably looking at another situation like we had here against the Celtics. Then they're going to go to Toronto. Kyrie can't go to that game. Their Vax mandate's still very much in place. That's not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, so Kyrie not going to make that trip. I kind of doubt they bring Durant along for that road game um, just because of whatever. So I think we're probably looking at the first time that we could get those two guys back on the court together. Maybe it would be Thursday, March 3rd against Miami at home. National TV game, TNT. If we think that March 1st is a reasonable timeline to have the vaccine mandate roll back, and we think that another week plus is good to have Kevin Durant come back, I think that could be the game that we're looking at them starting to get toward full strength. Ben Simmons, I think that one's a little different. We're hearing that you know he's not quite as ready. There's word and maybe some rumors trickling out that they wouldn't want to bring him back before the Philly game. The the Nets play the Philadelphia 76ers on uh, March 10th, and just because of what happened with him and his exit from the team and all the stuff they went through and the mental health piece and like all this other stuff, it doesn't feel like the Nets would want to throw him into a situation where he'd have to go into Philly and play in front of that crowd, which you have to believe would be uh, as unwelcoming as possible. So I don't think we see Ben Simmons before that. And it could just be a legit ramp-up thing, but I think there's enough context around that game to think, okay, do they really want to make him go play there, uh, dealing with all this other stuff? I I personally don't think so. So I think at that point, if you're thinking that that's maybe the line of demarcation for him, then something like March 13th against the Knicks on a Sunday, well, 1 p.m. game, get your afternoon ready, that might be the first game that we see the whole group, to, that, that that trio together. I don't think, I'm not sure about Dragic. That one's a little harder to figure out too. So Sunday, uh, excuse me, Sunday, March 13th against the Knicks, I think that could be the first time that we see this group together. Again, I'm just trying to piece some of this puzzle together. The vaccine thing, Kevin Durant's wording that they've used around his injury, things you kind of hear about Simmons and kind of maybe just know because it kind of makes sense from you know what we kind of know about that situation. I think that could be 
that's that's the game. That, that's kind of where I'm going to start targeting. Happy to be wrong. Would love for it to be earlier. Like I'm, believe me, I have it be against Milwaukee on Saturday, 100. percent Have them come back. I just don't think that's a realistic timeline. And this is still going to be a tough stretch. Milwaukee, Toronto, Toronto, uh, and then Miami. Just that's just this again. We're just going to be in the situation where I think we're going to be having similar discussions at least for the next three or four games around where this Nets team is, and that's just the way. The, 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 that's just the way they are right now. I don't know another way to put it. Like if, it, if we've kind of all thrown our hands up around this net season, it's because this has been a throw your hands up kind of season. I don't really know another way to put it. Like we're just playing with Patty Mills and Seth Curry and Bruce Brown and James Johnson and Andre Drummond as a starting lineup. And if you heard that it was going to be the case at the beginning of the season, you would have thought, oh, are we going for the number one pick in the draft? Like that's that's just the reality of the situation. So hopefully a little bit of good news on the horizon here. We'll know, I think we'll come out of this weekend and have a really firm grasp over where the Nets uh, future kind of stands and the timelines that we should start getting ready for. In the meantime, make sure you go check out our YouTube channel. Loving the numbers we're doing over there. Loving the comments, everything about it. So much appreciative of just everyone that's jumped in over there. Adam and I will be back at full strength coming uh, the beginning of next week talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball. basketball.